This is episode 37 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is the co-founder and CEO of GiveButter.com, Max Friedman. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco. Thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here. And really another opportunity, you know, as we've been doing all along in this podcast, to talk with individuals that are are just out there um, trying to be fulfilled in life, trying to figure out different ways to kind of, you know, crack the code, if you will, um, in terms of their own happiness and doing things that are, are bettering them each and every day. Um, And and this episode is no different. You know, I get the chance to talk with Max Friedman uh, today, really cool um, young entrepreneur. Um, He is the uh, founder of GiveButter.com. So go check out their website. Um, You can email him, max at GiveButter.com. You know, I think you guys are going to learn so much from Max here and some of the things he's done in his young career um, and just how he's been thoughtful around some of the businesses that he's got involved with. So really sharp guy. I'm excited for you guys to listen through on this episode. And if I may, if you guys haven't had the opportunity or you enjoy this episode and would love to, I certainly appreciate you guys heading over to iTunes. Leave me a rating. Give me a quick review. Let me know how I'm doing. It's the only way I'm going to make this podcast better. And I'm certainly you know thankful for the opportunity because I know there's so much um, out there that you guys can listen to or things that can take up your time. So the fact that you guys are listening through this uh, means the world to me. So... On that note, and without further ado, let's jump into my interview today with Max Friedman. Let's get it started. Hey, Max. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Yeah, excited to uh, get a chance to chat with you a little bit about your journey and uh, some of the things going on in your world right now. Um, I want to take a step back. I mean, you're not old by any stretch of the imagination. So let's peer back a few years, at least, into your childhood. I always like to start. So when I was seven? Yeah. Well, I, I want to get back to, yeah, exactly. Um, I want to get back to some of the stuff, you know, I, I'm big on the nature versus nurture argument. And I always like to start a lot of these conversations off there because I think it sets the tone for individuals listening that there's probably things they have inside them, maybe that they forgot about or haven't been, you know, haven't been pulled out yet that they could utilize to whether it's start their own business or just kind of crush it out there and be fulfilled in life. So I'm curious if you can start the audience with, you know, kind of your background a little bit. Where did you grow up? Give me a little bit about your family background and lifestyle and how that started off for you. And then we'll kind of go into some of your you know, current stuff. Definitely. So I, I grew up in a small town in New Hampshire. It's called Hollis, New Hampshire. Um, and so for a long time, I actually, I was always kind of like, I would go to summer camp or I would meet people and I try to hide that fact. I'd always say I was from Boston and then people would ask me a follow up and I'd be like, ah, fine, I'm from New Hampshire. Um, but it, it's interesting because I went to a public school um you know very traditional upbringing dad's a doctor Uh, mom did a lot of volunteering um and uh i love where i grew up i had a very close-knit community there was like less than ten thousand people in the town i grew up in um and and it was great um a big part of my life was sports um growing up i played a lot of sports i was captain of my high school football team played quarterback and it kind of ironically (laughs) and I, i never realized this until like looking back on it but i always took on leadership positions so like i when I played baseball, I was the catcher. Um, when I played soccer, I was goalie. When I played football, I was quarterback. So I was always kind of like, there's a lot of people on a team, but for some reason I kept, I had this like, uh, I guess proclivity for going for these sort of 
focal point positions. But I do think that that's something that was kind of maybe an early indicator. Um, early on when going to business school and stuff, it would be like, I would put leadership on my LinkedIn, but it was a little more, a little more uh, tangible than that. It was like, I just kind of sought out those types of opportunities. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed um, pushing myself and sports was a big part of doing that. I wasn't particularly like a gifted athlete by any means. I worked really hard. Um, so I think that that was, a, that was a trend. Um, another thing was I, I was super into video games. Uh, I, w- I was like obsessively into video games. I was a good student. I got, I did, I got fine grades. Um, but video games were something that I would stay up to ungodly hours, just playing, um, you know, all sorts of things and, and, and hanging out with my friends and doing that. And, um, it's kind of interesting because that same like attitude of just staying up super late, waking up early because you're so into something is something that I've applied to the startup I'm working on now and stuff I've done that's like freelancing and startup related, same kind of obsessive, addicted mindset. Um, but now it's more productive. So yeah, those are things. And then when I, when I, um, finished high school, I, I went to George Washington university. Um, I came in not really knowing what I wanted to do, ended up, uh, settling on, I don't, let's try business. Uh, I decided to do a finance degree. And then part of the degree I chose, I had to do a second major. And then by the end of my freshman year, I decided how about computer science because I started getting interested in coding. Um, and then, you know, I could keep going through my whole college journey, but I'm 23. So then you're going to get my whole story. So I'll cut it off there. Now that's a good start there. I mean, what was the influence like, you know, with your dad being a doctor, was there influence early on of like, you're going to, Hey, this is the path you should go on a professional career, stuff like that. Did those conversations come up a lot in the household? Um, I love my parents to death. They, they really gave me every opportunity to pursue whatever I was interested in. Um, you know, even when I was just, and they knew I was spending all this time playing video games or I was doing sports, whatever I was doing, it was like, you know, the, the, the theme was always make sure you get good grades and we want you to go to college. Um, that was the main thing that they, they asked of me um, is it was important to them that I did that. And everything else was really up to me. But my, my mom was super proactive with sending me all sorts of things, college programs and, and ideas for what I could do professionally. Um, my dad took me when I turned 16, he took me around a, a, a local mall um, and wanted me to get a job. And so I printed out a bunch of resumes. And he said, let's find some stores that you like that are interesting to you. And, you know, I'll, I'll walk with you and I'll hang out outside and you can go in and ask if they're hiring. And uh, I did. And the first store I walked into was, was called Brookstone. You might remember it has those massage chairs uh, and like cool gadgets. And um, I just asked if you're hiring. And the, the, the manager said, yeah, actually, uh, you know, how about you walk around the store? She asked me a couple of questions and said, OK, great. How about you walk around the store and find three things that you find interesting and then you're going to try to sell them to me. And so I did, I walked around the store and, uh, she hired me on the spot and, um, I walk outside, I said, dad, I got a job. He's like, great. Do you still want to walk around? And I said, sure. And we did. And then I ended up just taking the job at Brookstone. Um, and that was an awesome experience with my dad. And so little things like that, they always taught me, they were really good about teaching me, um, you know, money and, and finances and stuff like that. So in so many ways, they gave me good lessons, but they never were super hands-on telling me what I should or shouldn't do ever. What did you learn from, uh, what did you learn from your job at Brookstone? Like, is there one thing you remember you learned from that first experience? Um, I learned a lot. I learned that that's not something I want to do <laughs> is like retail sales. Um, but I did enjoy it. Uh, one thing I did learn that actually I've, I've thought about now as a startup founder is uh, we worked on commission at Brookstone for a while. Like when I started, so if I sold certain items, I would get 
money for what I made, but not on a fixed rate. So it was like, if I sold a speaker, I'd get $2. If I sold a, uh, a certain lamp, I'd get $5. And if I sold a massage chair, I'd get like $200. So I was motivated to sell. And then the company went through some hard times and stopped doing the commission program. And I lost all motivation. I just totally stopped caring. And I just thought it was interesting. And I don't think this is true for everyone. And I don't think it's true for people who get more than like $10 an hour uh, working at a mall. But when I lost that commission, it totally, when I didn't have a stake in what I was doing, it, it just totally demotivated me. It taught me a lesson personally about what kind of job I wanted to do when I grew up. And it taught me a lesson as a business owner, how I would want to motivate my employees, whether that's equity in the company, a commission or something. Just I want people to feel like they're a part of it. Um, and so that's actually probably the biggest lesson I took away from that, from that job. No, that's, that's interesting perspective there to have it at, at a young age. That's pretty neat. Um, and I, and I agree with you, actually, I'm in a sales role. Um, and, and I think that motivation of kind of running your own thing, um, and being a part of it is absolutely, um, intact and true. So certainly agree with you there. Um, let's, uh, let's tiptoe kind of into, you know, George Washington and, you know, kind of the progression here, because what I'm curious about is, so you went in there, you said, and, and, you know, kind of things adjusted and changed and you kind of, you know, found, you know, found coding and those type of things. When along the way did you decide, cause, cause you started, was it happening back? Was it sophomore year? If I recall. Um, yep, that's right. Kind of like my, my freshman summer into sophomore oh, year was when okay. I started it. So tell us about that experience. Where did that go from of like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to start, you know, developing an app and kind of going that path. How did that click in? When did that idea click in? And then when did you guys start executing on it? Yeah. Truth be told, I first started even thinking that way when I was, I I was in the, I was in the library at school. I was studying. I really wasn't interested in what I was doing. And a lot of people when they're in that mode, they'll go on YouTube or they'll like look at other things. The things I was watching were just, I was watching a video of Mark Cuban. um, And then I was watching an interview with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Elon Musk, like, and I was like, holy crap, these guys are so cool. They, they took an idea that they had, they had nothing to begin with. And, and, or they had a lot, no, not nothing, but they, they, they're not Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the edit is now, they were just another person like Max Friedman going to school, doing their thing. And then next thing you know, they started this company that totally changed the world. And that idea just captivated me. I was like, that is so cool. They created something from nothing. And there's nothing particularly different about any of these people to me, they just had the idea at the right time and executed. And so that was what kind of got me down the train of, of thinking about these ideas. That was kind of the original, that was like the tipping point where I started thinking that way. From there, I, I wasn't really sure. I started looking into what does that mean? How do you start a company? Where do you even begin? Um, and I didn't really have an idea per se. So I, I started keeping a, a, a note on my computer with ideas. So I was really annoyed with the laundry. I was like, why do you have to... Uh, wash your clothes and then switch it into a dryer. This is ridiculous. Why can't you wash and dry your clothes at the same time? Um, you know, and then I had other ideas on there about I, I gun safety. So like, could we add uh, uh, fingerprinting um, measures so that only the person who owns the gun can actually shoot the gun um, to just build in a little more safety with gun protection? So, so like certain ideas like that, that I, that were sort of manifesting in my mind. Um, and one of those ideas became a little bit more practical to me because I'm not an engineer, um, but seemed a little bit more like doable was I had the classic idea that I feel like many startups founders have, especially in college, um, to start an events app to figure out what events are going on on college campus right there right now, um, because I just was in Washington, D.C. And I was like, there's probably so many things going on right now. 
and I don't really know um, what those are or how to find them. Um, and that was, that was like the, that was like the tipping point. And that was like the end of my freshman year. I went through this cycle to try to like make a longer story short of essentially going through three waves. One is, can I find a co-founder to help me build it? Um, the answer to that after going on co-founder dating sites, going to networking events, all this stuff was kind of no. Um, second thing was, um, which I pursued was, could I raise money and then hire a development agency and or a developer? And I actually had a family friend who I put together a really serious proposal and interviewed 15 agencies, everything from uh, overseas, purely overseas agencies to ones that are in the US, but then have an overseas um, development shop, but you work with a project manager in the US to like strictly US. And I found my top three and I made this proposal and I actually had an investment offer from a family friend for $50,000 as like a freshman going into a sophomore year of college. And I was like overwhelmed. I was like, this is, this is crazy. Uh, I, I did not necessarily feel comfortable taking the money at that time. I felt like it would just lead to me dropping out. I, I felt like it was too early. And I appreciated the, what, met, met, the, the offer of support because I ended up saying, you know what? I feel like if these people can do it, so can I. And I just jumped headfirst into teaching myself how to code. I spent that summer working at Brookstone actually. And when I wasn't at Brookstone, I was, I was running through a textbook on Java um, to get credit for a summer class. Um, and also as soon as I felt like I had the basics, I jumped into Xcode and just started writing objective C code and building out the first version of the app. Um, and then, you know, this is just like a, a journey of just the obsessiveness from when I was a kid, like I was saying with the video games where I, I jumped into that with coding, I was staying up super late, waking up really early, super into it. And then when I got back to school, I spent basically one and a half semesters where I didn't really leave my dorm room aside from going to class when I had to. And I was just coding and designing the app um, before we launched. So that was kind of the impetus and then the early stages. And then we actually launched, which I can get into, but uh, that was kind of how we got started. Yeah. And, and I'm curious to hear about the launch and, and where you guys took it from there. What was the biggest hurdle in that process? Um, the biggest maybe struggle you went through or learning lesson um, that you've taken with you, you know, in the, in, in the few years since? I think I had huge expectations and, and I, I don't think I had the right um, foundation going into So we, we kind of did a first launch at the end of my sophomore year. And um, I really was focused on the app. I built it. I designed it. I wanted it to be perfect. And all my friends were going to download it. Um, and that was really important to me that it, that it, that it, you know, stood on its own and people were like, wow, this is great. And then shared it. I had very little marketing plan. I, I basically bought a bunch of shirts and stickers and, and, and like spread them around campus. You know, I did, I did some things, but it wasn't enough. Like I, I didn't really think through how this was going to get shared, how this was going to retain users. How is this going to the marketing side of it? And now when I have friends who talk to me about their app ideas, I, I really stress that the app is like 10% of what's important. It's everything around it. It's the strategy. It's the marketing plan. And frankly, like I'm a big believer that like you don't really hear about organic apps just like popping up and going viral very often. Um, there really needs to be, I think, oftentimes like real money behind marketing the app and getting it out there. Um, or like a really, you need to be like really connected and have a really, really, really good plan. And I just didn't have any of that. I was just like, here's my app. Uh, Facebook post, LinkedIn post, you know, please share. Here are t-shirts. It wasn't enough. 
Um, and, and that was like a big lesson learned. I didn't think, I don't think I thought that through. So what happened with the app? So we ended up getting a good number of downloads over time. I, we launched it. We had the summer. I did a lot more planning. I had to build out new features because it was just like very basic. Um, we went through another sort of secondary launch. Uh, this was beginning of my junior year. And um, I actually got to go to Y Combinator for an interview, which was cool because they kind of, Y Combinator is an accelerator in California. They get like 10,000 applications a year and they only interview like 100 uh, or 200. It's pretty selective to get to that process. So it was cool to go there. I got to go to a, uh, the Peter, Peter Thiel has a summit um, as well uh, for the Thiel Fellowship. And I got, actually got an article in like a local newspaper that said, is this DC is this GW student, the next Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> Cause I was really trying to promote this app with PR and I had no idea that headline was going to be the headline. I just kind of gave him an interview. And so that was all really great. But the reality was on the other side, um, like downloads were slowing at our peak. We had a total of 10 or at our peak all time. We had about 10,000 downloads, um, but not many active users and we weren't making any money. And I was nearing a point where at the end of my junior year, I, uh, I basically wasn't sure if, uh, this was going to be the thing. Um, I'd worked on it for two years. And so there was absolutely no person telling me, you need to stop. This isn't working. Um, I had to come to that decision myself and it was excruciating. It was really hard for me to know when to stop after pouring that much of myself into it and then effectively just letting it die. Um, and so I did. I, I Around New Year's that year, I just kind of said, I called everyone that went along that journey with me, every mentor I met, potential investor, news folks, everyone, and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm winding this down. Thank you for everything you did. And do you have any ideas for what I should do next? And that's actually how I got started with my next stuff. I did freelancing for a little while. A couple of people said, hey, I'm working on this idea or that idea. Now they know how to code and you have some more skills. Do you want to work with me on this? And so that was that gave me my next, that gave me something to sort of validate my next step and, and to do that was, that was useful and interesting and something that I could do by the time I graduated that maybe made me money. So that was exciting too. Yeah. And I mean, obviously all those lessons learned and, and a lot of times, you know, at least stories I, I hear people I talk to is that first idea doesn't always work out, but it spawns the next idea or the next idea after that where, where it's successful. So, you know, that kind of, I, I want to leave in, uh, lead into uh, give butter and some of the stuff you're doing now. So really interesting with that. And I'm curious where that came from, you know, now looking back, you mentioned your mom did a lot of volunteering and stuff. Do you think that had an impact on it or Tell, tell me a little about, you know, kind of the idea origination of, of Give Butter and, and some of the stuff you're doing with that. Yeah, I think I think those values are there for sure. Um, it didn't it didn't stem from that directly uh, by any means. But, you know, even even just recently, not to get ahead of myself, but my dad, as part of his um, his anesthesia practice, they ran a fundraiser on Give Butter recently. Um, and that's just kind of the, the kind of thing that they would do growing up. And so. Uh, it's, it is, it is definitely, there is definitely something there about the way I was brought up that probably pushed this as like an interesting idea in my mind, but not necessarily how it actually got started. So basically where I left off with the freelancing, did that for a little while. Um, when I, when I, when I, um, ended my junior, uh, it's so funny to think in these terms, my junior fall semester, I, my two roommates at the time moved out and I actually didn't have, I needed a place to stay. Um, I had two friends who were a year younger than me in school who were living on campus. So I was kind of living off campus and I was like, Oh, like I don't want to move on campus again, but they're really cool, cool guys. And I moved in with them. Um, and so I was back on campus, two, two, two students that were a year younger than me, but 
basically like two or three weeks after moving in together, um, we started thinking of startup ideas. Like, hey, let's start something cool. Um, and we had a whiteboard in our room where we would write ideas down. And then there was a snowstorm. And so we were like, uh, hey, this is our time. We should build something. And, and one of my roommates, Liron, um, he's like a really great web developer. He'd been doing it for seven years, uh, freelancing and for personal projects. Um, and Ari is just one of those guys who's just like the ultimate networker, hustler, really great with people. And our idea was kind of crazy. It was to start a uh, online charitable sweepstakes. Um, and what that means is that it was basically a page where you could go on, enter your email, and you had the opportunity to win money um, for yourself and for a charity of your choice, kind of like a 50-50 raffle. And the area that we got the money from was not necessarily from the entrants who were entering this the sweepstakes, but from uh, sponsors. We had a bunch of sponsors of the sweepstakes. Um, the origination of the idea was from this site called the Million Dollar Homepage, uh, which basically was like a million pixels on a site. Each pixel uh, or, or sort of get lumped together and you could post an ad. Each pixel cost a dollar. And this came around in like 2004, 2006. And it was the first, what people kind of noticed, like the first ever viral website. And so this guy made a million dollars selling a million pixels because it went so viral that people bought ads. And so we were thinking, well, we could do a similar thing where we sell ads, but then we give the money away and whoever wins donates part of it to charity. Um, we ran it over a month and we featured different charities. Uh, every time people bought ads, we gave money to a featured charity of the day. And then at the end, someone won uh, like $3,000 and donated $1,000 to one of the nonprofits that we featured. So it was like, that was like our segue into like a project together, um, anything to do with charitable giving. We had a lot of conversations because we featured 30 nonprofits, including the World Wildlife Fund we were speaking to. And we were learning a lot about the charitable giving space and why people were interested in this. We got an article in the Washington Post. Um, we had what we, what we wrote as like 400,000 entries. In reality, it was like 30,000. But the reason we had that number was because people could refer their friends to get more entries. So it went kind of viral like that. And um, that was actually how we got started. It was It was doing this kind of crazy charitable giving sweepstakes idea that's very hard to explain and if you're listening you probably have no idea what I'm talking about um but that was that was this that was the segue and then it got us thinking about how can we improve this charitable giving space um some of the nonprofits we were talking to said things like our average donor age is 66 years old and it's going up every single year um they were telling us they run direct mail campaigns like those physical pieces of mail that maybe your parents get um asking them to donate um that those, those campaigns cost the nonprofit $10 million, but they get $12 million back. So they made $2 million and apparently that's a good thing. Um, but those donors are giving like 80% of their donation just to fund the pieces of paper that are getting sent out, not the actual mission. And so like we were hearing these things that are like, this is a problem we're solving. How can we do it better? Um, and that was the like in, inspiration for starting Give Butter. It, it didn't quite match with what our original mission was, but it's getting back to it now. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there, but that was, that was, that was how we got started. And that was sort of the initial push, um, for, for why we were thinking about this space and what we were doing. Now, you know, I'm curious too, cause you said that you have a couple of folks working with you. How do you guys, you know, delegate who's doing what, how is there, you know, how do you break up the day? Um, cause I, I think it's important for folks that, you know, maybe aren't going at it alone, whether they want a co-founder or they have some friends they're getting along with. Um, they want to do something. How did you guys kind of, especially in the early days or even now, how did you split up um, of who's working on what or who's focusing in, in what area to kind of progress things forward? Yeah. So for us, it was pretty natural uh, to delegate that responsibility. So I come from a 
technical background, but I also um, do more, like I was more on that sort of, I, I was also more interested and I think more capable of doing like product design decisions and product development. And at the, at the, at the beginning, it was very much a necessity thing. So it was kind of, I was doing whatever I needed to do to move things along. That's changed. Um, but my co-founder, Liran, um, he's all web development. So that's all he does. And that's all he's ever done. And he does it incredibly well. Um, it's not just web development. He, he's really great at design too. And he's really great at product, but he is the one that makes everything tick. Like literally, if you go on givebutter.com, he has done everything that you see from a product standpoint, where my role in that has been, I'm designing a lot of the marketing pages. But if you go on anything in the product, um, that's all Liran. For Ari, um, he doesn't have a technical background. He's at times tried to teach himself a little bit more design. But at the end of the day, the thing that he has always done best is he brings amazing people into our fold. Some of our biggest users on GiveButter has been because Ari went to a networking event and met someone and introduced them to give me myself and to GiveButter. Um, and so the, the delegation of responsibility kind of works really nicely. In fact, just one more thing on that. When we were starting our first site, we wrote on a napkin just because we wanted to be kind of silly about it, but we, we kind of split up. Uh, we wrote like a mini contract on a, I think it was literally a paper towel um, to just like split up formally, like, you know, that we were all um, part of this thing and that we were all working on it together. Liran and I originally came up with the idea together. We were in the room. Ari walked in later. And at first, cause we didn't really feel like we needed Ari. <laughs> we were like, we, we were the ones who knew how to code. We could build it ourselves. Like Ari just kind of happens to be in the room. Um, and then we were kind of like, ah, he's like our roommate. Like it would be nice. And, and like, it'll be fun if we include him on the, on the, on the first site. And we did. And it was, I mean, it was, it was absolutely a good decision because we weren't really sure where he would fit in, but he's more than made a role for himself um, since. So uh, yeah, that was kind of the delegation of responsibility. And I'm curious for yourself, just again, being, you know, kind of being at a young age and, you know, I read an article, um, kind of put on LinkedIn around the, the imposter syndrome, you know, kind of not feeling you belonged or maybe we're unsure. Can you talk about that a little bit? And, and I guess it's not even for young folks. I mean, it could be for anyone that is trying to break into a new area um, and they just don't feel that. Can, can you give some insight in that or maybe something you've learned along the way that could help other folks? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and it definitely, it's interesting. I don't, it does not apply to young people. Um, that is one of the things that um, can cause imposter syndrome, but actually this, the origination of imposter syndrome uh, as, a, as a term and as a source of sub, like a, a subject of study um, came from women in the workplace of any age um, feeling like imposters. Um, so, so yeah, I think, and that, that was my takeaway of the article is if you feel like you're an imposter, you're doing something right. It means you're putting yourself in a position to grow and you're, you're, you're pushing the boundary of what is, what you think is possible of yourself. And I always think that's a good thing. So, um, yeah, that was, that was sort of the, the takeaway of the article for me personally, it was just that as my, with my age, um, it, I, honestly, I think I, I think I pushed it a little more just for the sake of um the title and the article than I maybe have really felt but there are several times whether it's age or even a subcategory of that purely experience just being inexperienced where I'm like am I qualified to do this but what I've learned is that pretty much everyone has either felt that way at some point or they're currently feeling it like am I qualified to be on this podcast right now you know what I mean like it's it's always kind of the back of people's minds um, and, and you're not alone. Like everyone feels that to some extent. 
it's just a matter of how you sort of deal with that. And I, I think the, the best way to deal with it is being honest about it and being honest with yourself, being honest outwardly. And I think it'll show that you're personable, you're relatable, you're human and you're self-aware. Um, and that'll only be a good thing for you. Next, what, what advice would you give to individuals out there that, and, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, sometimes we go back to, you know, the just get started mentality sometimes always, you know, goes to the, the business realm, but I mean, it could be someone just trying to get in the best shape of their life. I don't know, but is there anything, and I don't know if it's things that you do in terms of to, to stay motivated or to kind of, you know, take that leap outside your comfort zone, but any advice you'd share with folks that are listening in that are like, they're on the cusp of maybe doing something, but there's a little hesitation or little nerves and maybe they're scared to step out. Anything that you would give them encouragement on that could help them along the way? Hmm. I, this is kind of, <laughs> this is kind of contradictory advice potentially, but I do, I do think that not everyone is an entrepreneur and there's almost like a find yourself moment. I think you need to have. And before you even sort of make the leap, um, it's not really motivational advice. It's more of like cautionary advice. I've seen a lot of people that sort of go out, but then they kind of half-ass it. I really feel like when, you know, there's sort of two mentalities that I've sort of seen. It's like a bit of a division. There's the side project mentality, people that are like some of the best ideas kind of spawn as side projects. And I think that's totally valid. Um, I think a lot of people that sort of do things on the side and they're kind of thinking about making the leap. Um, you know, a lot of the people that do it successfully, they have some traction on their side project before they ever make that leap. Um, conversely, if you're just sort of making the leap to go full time and you don't have much traction, you better have a really good plan and you better really know that this is going to be right for you. Um, and I think that there's a lot of work that you can kind of do ahead of time to sort of, uh, feel that out, whether that's, um, putting yourself out there, talking to people about your idea, um, seeking out mentors, um, getting that sort of product market validation, however you can, uh, you know, there, there's different ways to sort of go about that. Um, I was, I'm trying to think of a, a sort of example of that, but, um, like when I was in college, I never, ever thought I was going to just drop out and work on my idea. It was always, this needs to be making enough money where I can justify that, or I need to like raise enough where I have a plan and that's actually going to be able to be executed on where I'm going to be able to do that. It was never just drop out and, and let's, let's hope this thing works. So if you think about quitting your job, leaving college, whatever that is, I think it's to really think about that seriously. Um, but at the same time, I do think that a lot of people have negative uh, feelings about what their ability to code, their ability to do certain things. Like a lot of people, like myself included, had no idea how to do 90% of what I do now, uh, maybe even 95, 99% of what I do now, like three years ago. I teach myself as I go. And so don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to sort of put yourself in a different position that you're not used to. And um, if there's things that can't, that you feel like can't get done, if you're trying to start a website and you don't know how to code, stop making excuses. Like there's three ways to like build that website. You either hire someone, you find a co-founder or you do it yourself. And that's it. It's like, like no more excuses. So if you can't do one of those two, you got to do the other one. So I don't know. That's, that's, that's my like general purpose advice for anyone thinking about starting something. And you, and you mentioned mentors. Do you seek out mentors? Is it just more serendipity kind of meeting folks and saying, hey, this is a cool cat. You know, I'm going to kind of lean on them from advice and stuff. I, I'm curious your thought around that. Yeah, I I was lucky that when I started happening, I've met uh, two friends early on who are both some of my best friends, but also became my mentors. Um, and that's kind of how I've always had a relationship with with people like that. It's it's 
very I, I enjoy spending time with them and it's a little informal I do actually I'm thinking I've been thinking lately that it would be good to maybe establish some more formal mentor relationships um strategic relationships things like that um it's hard when I, I have spent a lot of my last two years working on give butter like behind my computer working on our website working on our product um so putting myself out there more I think is really important um when I was starting though I really I was lucky because I I was not sure if I wanted to start happening or not. And I actually was thinking about maybe I'll work for a startup for a little while, learn, learn what that's like, and then I'll try to start my company. And when I met with one of my now friends um, who I actually, he was a GW alumni and, I, and he had a startup and he had just raised $2 million. I saw a, a press release about it um, or a news article. I, mess, I, tw- I tweeted at him and I said, Hey, are, are you hiring? I'd love to work for you. And he said, send me an email. I sent him an email. We got coffee. And he said, you know, I would totally hire you, but I, I won't because I think you should start your company idea and I'll help you. Um, and he did. And so that was kind of like a huge moment for me where I got validation of my idea. I got a mentor. Um, so I think some of this stuff is, is serendipitous. Um, but I also think it's a factor of how much you put yourself out there and, um, and you are interesting yourself, frankly. Um, people who are thinking about um, being your mentor want to mentor people they think will succeed. So you got to kind of prove it to them that you have some chops, you are interesting, and um, you have potential. And I think with any mentor, when people people who might not think you, you, you might not think someone's going to be a mentor, you might have a meeting about anything. Um, but if they give you feedback, they give you ideas, follow up with those people, like show that you listen to their feedback and even if you don't follow it, say thank you. And here's what I ended up doing instead. Little things like that, I think go a long way. And I think people maybe feel entitled that they should have a mentor. Like these people are putting themselves out there and giving you their time and their connections and et cetera. So that's kind of why I've, I've always kind of ended up as friends with people that I view as mentors. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my take on that. What if for, for give butter, let's use that as the example or, or another one you want to slip in there, but from a goal setting standpoint, you know, I think it's a huge, I'm very bullish on setting goals. I never used to be, but not just long-term, but really short-term that you can kind of hit and, and have those checkpoints. How do you guys manage to know like, Hey, these are certain things, you know, we want to hit um, with give butter that you guys set out there. How, how do you guys go about structuring those goals and, and do, or do you, and then obviously, how do you guys delegate and make sure you're hitting those? And if you don't hit those, what are some of the things you guys go through? We used to make plans like every um, six months, maybe not for anyone. So we've never raised money, give butter uh, as a company, as a fundraising platform, ironically, but we've never raised in like investor capital. We started in school, we were making money from day one and we just were like, go, 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 go. Um, so we don't, we don't necessarily answer to anyone other than ourselves. Uh, and those goals are really focused on what do we want to achieve? So even when we, when we've set these goals, they've even been personal. Like, what do we want out of our lives? <laughs> How can get better help us get that? You know, I want to travel more, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, and, and like sort of what do we need to do to enable those things? But it's not all that, obviously we, we tried doing some like KPIs, key performance indicators of what, like what metrics on our site are correlated with our growth and our goals and like what is our single metric that we want to focus on? Interestingly, um, we used to look at dollars raised a lot, and now we look at the number of users we're getting on our platform, and specifically the ratio of like accounts to users. So when you make an account on GiveButter, you can add members to your account, 
and we see that oftentimes the more members that get added, the more successful those campaigns are because they have more people as a part of them to participate in the fundraising. So those are some of the metrics that we look at. Um, goals are really hard and I, I really actually like hate the process. Um, it's, it, it's kind of like when you, now that we have more numbers and we have more things to base off of, like I can say right now in the last two months this year, we've done three times as well uh, from a total dollars raised from pretty much every metrics standpoint as we did this time last year. When I was starting, like I couldn't say that. I had no idea. I didn't know where to base my goals off of. Um, and currently our goal is very, very, very broad and it's company-wide. It's 10X. We want to 10X everything in the next year in 2019. And so we have goals across our, our growth goals, um, but also on our product side and our marketing side of what sort of things do we need to do to get to 10X? Someone, a friend of mine told me a really great saying, and I'll cut off there is, um, if you want to you know, do two times better, even three times better, you might be able to just work really hard at what you're already doing and you'll get there. But if you want to do 10X, 10x what you're doing right now you got to rethink you really got to like think differently to get there because if you just keep doing the same thing you know what's to say that you're just going to suddenly do 10 times better you got to think uh, you got to think outside the box so we're trying to think outside the box trying to think of different ways to to reach that and it's been a really great general philosophy um and mindset that we've taken on whether it's achievable or not we'll have to do another podcast in a year but um that's yeah that's what we're thinking right now you know, and, and consistency sometimes is a part of that. Is there anything you do on a daily basis? You mentioned your sometimes your sleep habits of long nights and early mornings type thing. Um, any habits or routines you have that kind of keep you in the in a frame of mind um, throughout each day, or is there is it kind of all over the place? Anything you can share, Brian? I wish um, you know. I go through I go through waves. Um, I do like being in a routine, but I'm not great at it. Um, I wish I was better at it, but honestly, the, the most centering thing I've done lately is I read like 15 minutes on my Kindle before I go to bed, helps me sleep. Um, and it's, I've been reading, uh, fiction. Um, I used to read nonfiction books like strictly just because I thought I was being more productive. <laughs> and, you know, you know, if I read, uh, you know, shoe dog or the Steve jobs biography, like I'll somehow, you know, seep in more knowledge and then be smarter and more productive but I found that it just helps me to like release and like think about things that aren't work and um be a little bit more imaginative so I enjoy that every night I've been reading on my kindle that's probably the closest thing to a routine I have right now what um where, where can everyone find you online yeah so I've, I'm, I'm a little all over the place. Um, LinkedIn has been something that I've been trying to focus on more in the last year. Uh, so definitely follow me on LinkedIn um, and, you know, check out GiveButter, GiveButter.com. Um, you can send me an email at max at GiveButter.com about anything. Very responsive there. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place to find me here. So leave the audience, you know, it, it could be, I, I kind of have an open forum here. It could be a quote you live by. It could be, you know, some final thoughts or motivation or whatever. Um, Anything in particular you would share to kind of uh, as a signing off uh, of the podcast? Life is way too fucking short to not do things that you're excited about. I love it, man. Simple and to the point. I like it. Um, that's cool, dude. Hey, I enjoyed having you on here. This was a cool conversation. Curious to uh, you know to hear your journey and, and now see where things are going. And uh, excited for you guys, uh, not in only 2019, but the future. Thanks so, so much for joining. Dude, thanks. For, wait, before you go, can I flip the script for a second? I have a question for you. Oh, wow. This is all right. This is new. Go ahead. 
you've interviewed all these these people, entrepreneurs, businessmen, uh, all different categories. What's the theme that you've seen about people getting started that you you sort of you could say is uh, yeah a theme a theme across all these people and, and their journeys of getting started and, and like a lesson learned. Yeah, I mean, there's been I, I, there's been a ton. Um, if I kind of you know have an hour here to talk, but I, I think the <laughs> big one is is consistency. I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, and I've seen this with a variety of folks, um, and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I had Justin Lafazan on, you know, recently, you know, started NextGen. I've had fitness professionals on, um, you name it. Um, it's the consistency day in and day out of, of kind of going for your passion and keep going forward. And even if you kind of get, you know, kicked off the road a little bit or, or have some scrapes, just not stopping um, and just keep going full steam ahead, understanding that that's a lot better path than, you know, maybe sitting in a desk job for 10 hours a day that they hate. So, um, yeah, that would, that would be it. I mean, I think the number one thing is the consistency day in and day out. And you hear that a lot, you know, when you, you know, a lot of the folks that I, you know, I kind of call my virtual mem- you know, mentor, like Gary Vaynerchuk and, and some other folks like that, like it's just the grind each and every day. And you can make your own schedule what it is. You don't have to work 18 hours a day. Um, but I think it's just continually putting in the time each and every day on something. And you see the fruits of that labor um, in time. Yeah, that resonates for sure. I think it's one of those catch 22 sometimes where it's like, you got to be persistent, but then you also got to know when to stop. But I I agree. Anyone who's successful, they were persistent and they were consistent. So it's kind of comes with the, comes with the trade. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, one of the things, the last thing I'll say on that, I always, I always bring back to fitness. I'm, I'm big into fitness, love CrossFit, those type of things. I've shared that enough in this podcast. Um, I think fitness is a huge part of life. Uh, because you have to take care of the one body you have uh, to be, help be productive in other areas of your life. But it, it goes with fitness. A lot of people go into a couple of weeks or a month and try a new diet or do whatever. And then they quit. They never let themselves get past that, you know, the suck um, to ultimately maybe get them to the, the next plateau. So I think just one of those things is stay consistent. And, you know, ultimately um, you have the chance to really achieve some cool stuff. Uh, if anyone's listening, I'll, I'll give a shout out. Go, go listen to Joel Runyon, um, the, you know, the, youngest person to run an ultra marathon on um, every continent several episodes back but it's one of those things like the first mile sometimes easy but man when you get that mile 20 30 40 etc i mean it really starts to be a pain in the ass but once you get over that and you have that mindset man you can really crush some things that you know you thought were impossible for sure it's also like a mental um mental exercise of, of or memory muscle memory where it's like i know i've done this before so i know i can do it again and you kind of keep pushing that envelope a little bit more and a little bit more. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the curveball question there at the end. But uh, yeah, man, enjoyed having you on. This was awesome, and uh, and good luck to you in the future. Yeah, you too, Brian. I really appreciate this. You have a good one. Hey, everyone. One quick thing before you head off on your day. Um, if you don't mind, head over to iTunes. Leave me a quick review. Let me know how I'm doing. That feedback's really important for me to grow this podcast and get it out to more and more folks. Um, also, if you guys want to check me out online, brianandraco.com or at brianandraco on Instagram and Twitter. I look forward to engaging with you guys further. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.